So we're going to uh, continue in the series today, uh, The Foundation of Truth, and this will be Transformation Part 4, and I pray that uh, you really grasp what I'm talking about today, because if you grasp it, it will change your life. So I'd like us to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus, then I'm going to talk about our lives, and what happens, and why things happen, okay? So we can have some understanding of the context of what Jesus is talking about and the reality of the life that we are living and we are supposed to live. So Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Now, this is the writer to the book of Hebrews. There are different writers. I'm gonna, and I'm going to start reading from verse 7. So they're talking about Jesus here. And it says, verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who is the him, the father, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's all I'm going to read. So the thing I want to focus on there is, though he was a son, okay, it also said he offered up prayers and supplications with strong, powerful, boisterous cries and tears to the father. And the father heard him, heard him because of his godly fear, because of his reverence. And Christ learned obedience through the things he had to go through. So Jesus, as he walked the earth, was a son of God. And we who are in Christ are also sons of God because we are in Christ. And because we are sons of God, as Jesus is an heir, we are also joint heirs with Christ. So don't flip out. That is, that is what, who God says we are. He says we are sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. If you are joint heir, that means we have an inheritance of something. Just as Jesus has an inheritance or something. We are joint heirs. God did not spare his son. Because Jesus had to go through some stuff. And the things he had to go through, he knew what was coming. He was, his prayers were noisy. His prayers were boisterous. He was in tears. Because he knew the things he had to go through. So it was no Mickey Mouse prayers. I mean, these were heartfelt prayers because of the suffering that he was going through and the things he knew he had to go through. He knew he had to go on the cross. He knew that's what the Father required of him. And he was agonizing. If you read the, 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 the excerpt about him in the garden, he was agonizing over having to go to the cross. And he said, Father, if there's another way, let it be so. But he said, not my will, your will. He knew what was coming. He knew what he had to go through. So he was agonizing over it. Jesus had to go through these things. He had to learn to deal with this flesh and be able to relate to the plight of fallen man. So that was one reason why he came in the flesh from the Father. He had to be able to relate to fallen man. He had to be able to relate to the people that he had to redeem. For him to be our intercessor, as he's seated at the right hand of grace, at the throne of grace, 
are seated on the right hand of heaven right now, for him to be able to relate with what we are going through, for him to be an intercessor. Now he can relate because he was man. He was in the flesh. So he knows the things that we have to put up with daily. He can relate to it. We don't have a high priest or a king seated at the right hand of grace who don't know what we have to go through. He knows. So to be an intercessor, he had to be able to understand what it meant to be a man or a person, a human being. To deal with desires, to deal with the senses. He knows because he's been here. He's, he's been through it. All right? So Christ learned to submit to the Father through his suffering. That's a choice. That's a choice. And we also have a choice to submit or not to submit to Christ in our suffering through the things that we are going through, through the trials that we are going through in our lives. There's a choice we have to make daily, every minute, every moment, every day. It's a choice whether we submit to God or not. So if Jesus had to suffer and go through things, we are no different. He's the son of God. We are sons of God. We are not going to be spared because God didn't spare him. We are not going to be spared either. So don't think it's strange when you, the drama that you're going through in your life. The father didn't spare his son and we are sons of God. He's not going to spare us either. We will have to go through our trials and learn obedience. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I want to show you something. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, the scripture reading goes like this. It says, Then Jesus, this was after he was the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Spirit. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tested. The Father sent him to be tested. Yes, the Father sent him to be tested. Guess what? We are no different. We are going to be put through tests. Okay? So Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. The Father sent him to be tested, to learn some things. There are some things he had to learn before his ministry was released. He was released to his ministry. Right? There are valuable lessons to be he had to learn to be able to overcome and fulfill his purpose. Now, there are three foundational truths that you find here. Number one, verse four, it says here, the enemy in verse three says, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones became bread. Now, after 40 days, Jesus was hungry. Now, the tempter comes to you in your moment of weakness. And he said, and there's Jesus' response in verse 4. And he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay. Then, verse number uh, 6. The tempter came to him again and said, after Jesus responded on the first one, verse 6. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. And, he, and Satan co has quoted the scripture. 
But this is Jesus' response in verse 7. It is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then verse 8, again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, Satan, if you know the background of this, I'm not going to go into this. Satan have every right to make this statement. Okay? But then verse 10, Jesus responded, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, there are three foundational truths here. Number one, food is for the body. But to have spiritual victory, we must live by the word of God. To have spiritual victory, we must live by the word of God. That's one. Number two, man must not give into temptation. That's a second um, foundational truth. Man must not give into temptation. There's a lot to that. And the third thing, man must worship and serve God. That's number three. Now, why the wilderness? Why did the Father send the Son in the wilderness to be tested? But first, let me, before I go into that, let me define what the wilderness is. The word in Hebrew means midbar, or a pasture, an open field, a desert. It's also referred to a solitary place, barren, dry, and lonely. And this is my definition here. It's a place of separation where you are cut off, isolated. Jesus had to go through his wilderness experience to learn to depend on the Father. And we are no different. From the wilderness, he returned in power, in the power of the Spirit, and he began his ministry. Fulfilling his purpose, which was not his will, but the Father's will. His transformation was complete after he came through the wilderness. Now, guess what? In our life, the wilderness does not necessarily have to be a physical place, but a season in our lives where we feel alone, we feel deserted, we feel separated. However, we are not alone. If you are in Christ, Know that you're not alone. It only feels like you're alone, but you're not alone. You are not alone. The Lord is with you, but you don't know it because you go by how you feel. And I know many times our feelings are deceptive, deceptive. You can't go by your feelings sometimes. Okay? But we are never alone. This is a time where the Lord will do a great work in your life if you let him. And you will be better and stronger person when you come through it. You see, the thing is, the Lord was willing to work and help you, but you have to be willing to let him help you. He's not going to force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. We have to be willing to submit. The help comes in the submitting. Because he knows our beginning from the end. The help comes when he gives us a grace or the power to do what we can't do in our own strength. All right? There are many milestones or shifts that will take place during our lifetime 
to shape our character and our thinking to that of Christ. The Lord was take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Many times it's unexpected and shocking. We do not get time to prepare. Sometimes things happen in our lives. We don't, we don't know. It just happens. It's a shock. We don't get time to prepare. And that's many times how things happen in our lives. We get put in this situation and then afterwards we learn the lesson. Normally, when you're being schooled and taught, they tell you what's going to happen and they prepare you for the lesson. No, with God, you get put in the situation. Then you learn the lesson. It's not fun, but that's the quick way that you adapt and you learn. It's only in the trial and afterwards we learn something about ourselves and something about God's character. I'm, I am guaranteeing it. Every time you go through something, there is an opportunity to learn something about yourself and learn something about God. It all depends on how you look upon it. You could look at it from a glass half full or the glass half empty. It's up to you. But there's always every test, every trial I go through. I look for the opportunities of, Lord, what it is am I supposed to learn? What are you teaching me about myself? And what am I to learn, to learn about your character and who you are? And guaranteed, there's always something to learn. If you're willing to learn it. If you're willing to seek it. Because God never allows anything in your life without a lesson to be learned. It will change your character. And you come through it. You become a stronger person. I am not telling you this out of... Hearsay. I am telling you this because I've experienced it myself. You come through it a stronger person. So in the trial, you learn about yourself. You learn about God. In the trial, we learn about our weaknesses. We learn about weaknesses we did not even know we had. And then we have to face the weaknesses we know of. You can't hide from God. There's stuff in your heart, in your life. He will expose. You didn't even know it was there. He's going to expose it. And then there are things you think you can hide from him, but you're not. There comes a time of reckoning when God will say, this is the time to deal with this issue in your life. And he will put you in a situation where you have to deal with it. You cannot hide from it anymore. God doesn't do this to punish you. He does this because he loves us. He doesn't want anything in our heart that is going to keep us from being the people he's called us to be. Because the enemy would use these things in your heart, your weaknesses, as a scheme to trap you, seduce you, and take advantage of you. But God wants us free of these things so, we, so the enemy can have nothing against us. God does it out of love. That's what I've learned. The same thing he did with Jesus is the same thing he will do with us. But it's how you look at it. Amen. The Lord will show you. Listen, listen to this. I'm telling you what I've experienced. I'm not going to share with you what it is. But I'm telling you what I have experienced. The Lord will show you your true self. Not the facade we tend to believe about ourselves. The Lord will show you what you really are like inside your heart, in your heart, in your mind. If you're a racist, 
that we're talking about the social issues, right? If you're a racist, he will reveal it to you. You have a lot of racist people who think they're not racist. But let me tell you something. When God is ready, he exposed that, that heart. He will reveal it to you. He will show it to you. He will show you the when, the how, and the why. And he will show you the hurt you have caused. He will show it to you. And you will come face to face with your own sin. And then you will experience not only that, you will experience the anguish of that sin. And in your repentant heart, if you choose to repent in that moment, he will forgive you and he will love you. Not because of your sin, because you choose to repent when you are faced with who you really are. When he stripped you of your facade and you see who you really are, you repent and he, ex he lavishes you with your love, with his love. Because the Bible says a broken spirit and a contrite heart, the Lord will never ever despise. And because you choose to humble yourself, recognize your sin, and repent of it, he embraces you with his love, and he gives you his grace, and his compassion, and he surrounds you with his mercy and his love. You experience that. It's not hearsay. It's a, spirit, it's a spiritual thing that happens. that You cannot deny, but you cannot explain it to people. How can you explain something that people can't see, but you alone have experienced that? You can't, you can't explain that to people. As I, I always use the analogy with childbirth, you could, a woman who has had a baby, she knows what it's like. She experienced everything from, from conception to delivery, even raising that child. But a woman who has never had a child, who has never carried a child for nine months, who has never experienced childbirth, man, you can try and explain it to that person, but they don't know what you're going through. They don't know what that's like. I am a man. My wife delivered, had or carried our daughter for nine months, nine plus months. She didn't want to come out. But I, my wife could only tell me what it's like, but I can't experience that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to experience it to be able to relate to what somebody's saying. It's the same thing with the things of God. Listen, my dear, when you have a spiritual experience, with, with God through Christ. I don't care what anybody says. They, have, they haven't walked the walk that you walk. They haven't been in your shoes. I don't care what the philosophies of men say. When I, I've had an, that experience, and I know God is real. I know it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's like you had that child. Listen, I gave birth to you. To somebody who didn't give, didn't give birth. They can't relate to what you are saying. They have to experience, just experience it themselves. So when the Lord shows you your true self and he pulls away the facade, the word I use, he peels you, this phrase, he peels you like an onion. He peels you open and he exposes you for who you, what you really are. You're not, as, not who you thought you were. That facade is no longer applicable in this application. He exposes you. And you repent and you, then you experience that love because you say, Lord, how could you love me? You have shown me. I've seen who I really am. How can you forgive me and love me? But then you understand the love of God. You understand why Jesus went on the cross. You get it. You get it. And when you get it, you treat others the same way God treats you. 
The same way he had, mer- he had mercy and compassion about you. You look at people differently. You don't judge people. You don't judge because you understand the love and the mercy God showed you. Then you show people that same love and mercy because you understand the love of God. You understand it. It's not hearsay anymore. You know, the Lord is always about setting us free from bondage. I mean, he's always, that's what he's about. Setting us free from anything that's going to keep us from being who we really are, from being sons of God, mature sons of God. But sometimes he would allow some weaknesses to remain because of the, the, the ego of some people. Like the Apostle Paul, he talked about the thorn in his flesh. The Lord allowed it to remain because Paul was, Paul was, a, 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 was a terror, a tyrant. But Lord allowed it to remain. And it shows us our frailty and that we need to walk in humility. You know, we at times, we are all different. And we will have different experiences, different trials. You know, some people go through certain things. Some people don't go through the same things. But we all go through some similar things. But the result is always the same. The outcome is always the same. It's for us to be conformed into the image of Christ to become mature sons of God and act like heirs and not slaves to the world. We have authority over spirits and and wickedness in heavenly places, but we act like slaves because we give into it and we act in our lusts and desires, given into these things, being manipulated by the powers of the air. So when we come through the wilderness, these are certain things that happen as a transformation takes place in the wilderness. There's an awakening in your spirit. It's beyond the born-again experience. We learn to hear and obey the voice of God, as Jesus did. Because when the tempter came to him, he responded with the word. Because he had a fellowship, a fellowship with the Father. We learn to hear and obey the voice of God. We respond the way God would respond. We learn that our strength and confidence comes from and through the Lord by his grace. You're not even, you're not even wishy-washy about that. You know, says the Lord, it's your grace and your strength, the confidence I have comes from you because of your grace. You already know it. You, you're not second-guessing anything anymore. You know it. We understand that unclean spirits have no authority over us. They will try to tempt us. They will try to distract us. But if we walk in the spirit, they will always be defeated. The racist is being manipulated. Doesn't even know why he's racist sometimes. Doesn't even know it why sometimes. Why does he have all that hate in his heart? Why? Why you hate somebody of a different race, a different color, a different or different background? Why? There is always an excuse to hate, but that's not the love of God. But when you have an encounter with God, the Lord will expose that racist, expose that heart. And that person has to deal with the issue. He will do it. The rebellious spirit is always tamed. We learn to put the flesh to death. Not to do our will. To do God's will. We learn to put the flesh to death. And we also put on that new man. That armor of light. We put on the image of Christ. We, instead, we do it. We have to do it. God's not going to do it for us. We have to do it. All right. All right. So let me let me just close here. As transformation takes place, 
and you get an understanding of God's love, there are a couple of things you start to realize. As the transformation takes place, no one will have to beg you to see God to, or to read the word of God. Nobody will have to beg you to pray or convince you that you are loved by God or convince you to pray. As the transformation takes place, no one will have to convince you that you are special and valuable. You don't have to look to people to validate who you are. The Lord has already validated who you are. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You don't need anybody to validate you, to tell you who you are. The Lord has already told you who you are by his word. And the spirit will teach you and confirm who you are. You don't need anybody to validate you. Amen. You do not need anyone to validate you. I don't need anyone to validate who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I know my Father loves me. I know Jesus loves me. I don't need anyone to tell me I'm special and valuable. How do I know it? Because that's what the Word of God says about me. I am the apple of His eye. I know that. I don't need my wife to tell me that. I don't need my best friend to tell me. I don't need my family members to tell me that. Because if I need people to, I need the assurance and I need the validation of people. The enemy will use people to cut me down and cut me off. He will use people to chop me down. But you see, that's the beauty of knowing who you are in Christ. You don't need anyone to validate you except the Spirit of God. And God will do it. Oh, glory to God. As your mind is being transformed. You know that you're an heir and you walk in that knowledge and authority. But you exercise your authority with humility and compassion. You don't have an ego. You don't have a big head. You're not arrogant because you're a child of God and you have authority. You don't act arrogant. You, act, you walk in love and you walk in humility. Many people thinking walking in love and humility is weakness. It's not weakness. It's power in check. You have power that you keep in check. Glory to God. Oh my God. That is awesome if you think about it. You have power, but you keep the power in check. Why? Because you want to help others. You want to meet people where they are. You don't change them. You express the love of God. You let God work through you. And that's how people get changed from the inside out. The change has to take place. Transformation has to take place from the inside out, not from the outside in. That doesn't work. From the inside out. As I said, racism is, can only be legislated. But the true change takes place from the inside out. The laws will be put in place to keep people in control. But people's heart, if you're racist in heart and, you, and you're not changed inside, you're still racist. But you'll do what you have to do not to get in trouble with the law. But have you really changed? No, you haven't. But the true change takes place from the inside out. You no longer have to beg. People don't have to beg you to have self-control. They don't have to beg you not to give in to your impulses and your desires. And to be used haphazardly by the enemy to cuss people out, to flip people off. 
You have self-control. You're not being manipulated and used. And lastly, which is not a complete list, but this is the last one I'm going to mention here. No one would have to tell you to forgive. No one would have to tell you to seek forgiveness if you hurt someone. No one would have to tell you to repent. Because automatically the Spirit will convict you. And if your mind is being transformed, you know right away, I need to repent. Or I need to forgive that person. But I'm not doing it out of my strength. I'm doing it because I want to please God. So the racist who becomes born again and, and, and pulled from darkness into light, the racist who is uh, reconciled to God is no longer your enemy. It's now your brother. As I gave the example with Ananias and Saul. See, God doesn't hold a repentant racist, a truly repentant racist who has been born again and who has become alive to the things of God. That person is no longer racist. They have changed from the inside out and we cannot hold their sin against them anymore. So if you have hate or anger in your heart, if you are racist, this will no longer be an issue because the Lord will free you from these things and you will have to let them go. When the Lord peels you like an onion and starts showing you your, your heart, you're going to let those things go because, I mean, you, you have to. You're going to want to because when you really see yourself for who you are, you, want, you don't want to hold on to that stuff anymore. You, have, you want to let it go because you don't want to be that person anymore. You're going to let it go. You will want to because you have, God has shown you your sin and you want, to, uh, you want to please him. Your inclination is to love the way God loves you. And to see people different, to see different races, people of different backgrounds, as your family, as your brethren in Christ. That's how you will start seeing people. You won't see black, white. You won't see rich, poor. You will say, these are my brothers in Christ, or these are my sisters in Christ. That's how you start seeing people. Okay? This is because we are learning to walk in the Spirit and not and not walk in our flesh. We are learning to walk in the light. We are learning to put on that mind of Christ. We are learning to, to put on that, that armor of God. That armor of light. Because we want to please our Father. And we want that intimacy. This is the heart and the mind of Christ. You know, I'm going to stop there. And I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.